welcome to Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia. Today's speaker is Father Michael Kaiser. At that time, Jesus said unto his disciples, If you love me, keep my commandments. My mother would sometimes say to me, If you love me, you will clean up your room. I tried that on my kids. It didn't work with me either. But we often have this sort of thing where with other people or with our families or with our children, we basically make agreements to do this, that, or the other. Uh, if we don't do that, that often brings into the family sometimes great strain or stress. You know, as I tell couples when I'm doing premarital counseling, especially to the husband, if you tell your wife constantly you love her but don't take out the garbage in 20 years, your love to be blunt doesn't mean much. And vice versa. You know, love is shown in action, in doing things for people. It's not a concept. Uh, it's not a, a, uh, an idea or anything like that. Love is always an action. And if we don't act out of love, then love will die. Relationship will die. Well, what Jesus is giving us here is a foundation for a covenant, for an agreement between we and God. It's not in concept that much different from the covenant that God gave to the people of Israel. He said, I'll be your God, you'll be my people. That's the agreement. I'll be God by being God. I, that's what I do. You're going to be my people by doing what I tell you. And they, oh, sure, cool, that's nice. Yeah, we'll do that, all right. And the purpose of that covenant, which was kept well or badly, depending upon who you were, was to teach the people of Israel that they couldn't get from here to there. They couldn't get to God, to the kingdom of heaven. on their own. No matter how many times you sacrificed in the temple, no matter how many times you prayed, no matter how many times you adjusted your prayer shawl, uh, no matter how many times you wore your phylacteries on your head and on your wrist, it was not due to your effort alone. It couldn't be your effort alone. It wasn't going to work that way. Couldn't happen. It would take the incarnation of God's eternal word in the womb of Mary. It would take his death. It would take his resurrection. It would take his ascension, which tends to get somewhat ignored in the rush from Ascension Day to Pentecost. And it would take the sending of the Holy Spirit, who would be kind of viewed as the life coach for Orthodox Christians, the guy on the sideline going, Sick him! Hit him! Go! But here, Jesus is laying the basic foundation. If ye love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you, even the spirit of truth. Okay, this is the job description for the Holy Spirit. He's going to be another comforter. He's different than Jesus. He's not the same person as Jesus any more than Jesus is the same person as the Father. 
or the same person as the Holy Spirit. He has his own unique role. They are two separate persons eternally. For people get easily confused, you know, God is not one being who changes clothes all the time, depending upon the scene he's playing. You know, you get a lot of people like that who think that when Jesus is praying in Gethsemane, he's either praying to himself or you're just kind of talking to give us an example. But he's not. He's praying to his father. His father isn't in Gethsemane. Jesus is in Gethsemane. His father is out beyond the, the, the you know, the universe. And the Holy Spirit's role and Christ's role are not interchangeable. Christ, after the ascension, has ascended into the presence of his Father in heaven. It says that he sits at, not on his right hand, he sits at his right hand and continuously makes intercession for us, for you and me. He has his wounds, which he suffered, which he took back with him into heaven. You know, I always thought Orthodox had cornered the market on bad taste. But I saw a picture on Facebook, and I believe it was a Roman church, which may have been dedicated to the Feast of the Ascension. And the main decoration at the altar were two feet hanging down through the ceiling in the, with clouds and the wounds in them and what have you. And I thought, yikes. I mean, that is... And I wondered, being a tad twisted, at least it's been suggested, if anybody had ever jumped up there and grabbed him and tried to pull him down, you know what I mean? But now that he has ascended to his father, he's not coming back until the second judgment, until the last judgment, when he'll judge the whole world. So it's the Holy Spirit who takes over. And like I said, they don't, you know, the Holy Spirit isn't one way wake up one morning and say, you know, how come he always gets to be the son? You know, how can I can't be the son on Thursday? You know, make him stay home, do something like that. Uh, they have their own unique, distinct roles. He will be comfortor. He will be the spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit is never going to tell you anything that is a lie. So if a spirit comes to you and says, walk in front of a bus, it's not of God. Now things like that do happen. There is a story told about one of the Desert Fathers whose name was Hero. They had some odd names in those days. And he was visited by a demon in the guise of an angel. And the demon told him, hey, you are doing the, you're doing good. You're really, you're a, you are a marvelous monk. You're terrific. God is so pleased. He is so happy with you that he's going to give you a special gift. And that is that you, no matter what you do or where you go, you can never be harmed. And he told this to the other monks, and the other monks said, Hero, uh-uh, no, that's not possible. Uh, that sounds very suspicious to us and what have you. And so he said, well, I'll show you. So he runs up to the roof of the monastery, and he throws himself off, thereby breaking virtually every bone in his body and eventually dying. And it was only after much beseeching from the monks that the abbot allowed him to be buried in the regular seminary rather than with a section for the suicides. Because there are canons that say if you're under demonic influence, you know, it's not counted as suicide. He had accepted something 
which he should have known having come from, would not have come from God. It came from a demon. So if the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth, he will never call you to do something that is immoral, illegal, or fattening. And this we have to remember. Because in today's day, in today's day, that's good, yeah, in today, we have a lot of people who say, no, the Holy Spirit is now saying something very, very different than he used to, you see. Well, no, if he's the spirit of truth, if what he said before was true, that truth does not change, and he will not contradict himself. You know, God, God doesn't show up and say, hey, you know that, you know, adultery thing? I've been thinking about that. Maybe it's not so important. You know, so we, you, you, you get a pass on that. You know, while I, the three of us try to work this out and figure out how we're going to uh, initiate change. You know, you know, it's, it's, it's a silly thing. It's a silly concept. It's a silly idea. There was, I don't know if you caught this this week, God help the man, a Roman Catholic bishop in Germany this last week who, uh, in an interview, or perhaps it was a speech, I, I don't remember exactly, stated that Jesus did not die on the cross for our sins. That he had died, but it was not for our sins, because that would be our wrathful offering or whatever. That he had died in solidarity with us, and particularly the poor. Now, the Catechism of the Catholic Church specifically says that Jesus is the Lamb of God who died to take away the sins of the world. Yeah, so, but apparently he missed that paragraph in there. Because now, of course, you see the Holy Spirit is teaching us different things. We are so intelligent. We are so mature. We have evolved to such an extent that we can actually believe things that the apostles would have had the good sense to kind of giggle at or laugh at. So the spirit will not contradict himself if he is in fact the spirit of truth. But ye know him, for he dwelleth in you and shall be in you. So the Holy Spirit, along with the Father and the Son, is within our soul, is within what we call our noose, you know, that reasoning, intelligent part of the soul in connection with God. You can run, but you can't hide. God's always within you, looking at you, being with you, sharing with you. So, you know, no matter what you're doing, uh, you can maybe cover up your conscience for a little bit, but if there's any life in there, it's going to start to come back to haunt you because God's there. Uh, he's with you in the bar. He's with you, you know, in somebody's bedroom. He's with, I mean, whatever, you know. So uh, he's there. At that day ye shall know that I am my Father, and I am he, he, he that hath my commandments and keepeth them. He it is that is love. Now you see, we have many people, and including Orthodox, don't really accept the gospel of Jesus Christ so much as they accept the gospel of Bambi, in which everything is cutesy and patsy and loving, uh, and little furry bunnies jump around. And it's, it's, it's all nice and wonderful, at least until the forest fire you know, makes them extra, extra crispy. But you know, we have this idea that God is love, and this is perfectly true. That's what the scripture says. That's what he is by nature. And because of that, therefore, he's always going to forgive us. Why not? 
If we are not genuinely repentant, he's not going to forgive us. Why would he? What kind of a father would tell a son, okay, I don't care, you wrap my car on a, a telephone pole. Here's money for a new one without any kind of consequences whatsoever. It says in Matthew, if you do not forgive others, God will not forgive you. So his forgiveness is conditional upon our repentance and upon our actions. Everything that is necessary for him to do for our salvation has been done on that end. And his love for us is unconditional. That does not mean we're going to accept it. And hence the agreement. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you don't keep my commandments, in other words, you don't love me. And, you know, this is not a Mediterranean woman sharing guilt. I have been married to a Greek-Italian for 49 years, and believe me, I know guilt. I have experienced guilt. You know, she was talking to our daughter one night, and they have never, they have not gotten along well for a long time. It was, I think, coming. I thought whether she would come over for Christmas, and they're talking about it. And he says, "Well, dear, you know, if you want to leave your mother alone on Christmas, uh, you know, and go off with your friends, that that that's that's okay." And when she hung up, I said, "No, you're good. You are really good." No, and she did. But that's not what God is doing here. He's just very practically telling us, look, there's something real going on here. And what is real is that you try to live like I call you to live. I get it. You're going to fail a lot of the time. That's not the issue. The issue is repenting and persevering and, you know, picking yourself up off the ground every single time that happens. That's what I'm interested in. Not your, you know, always getting it right so much as am your perseverance. But unless you're not trying to get it right, this will not happen. Because again, we go down here, and uh, Judas, not the Judas Iscariot, it's a very awkward line in King James English. Judas, not Iscariot, says, How was it that you will manifest them yourself unto the, us and not unto the world? Jesus answered and said to him, if a man love me, he will keep my words and my father will love him and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. It sounds as though he's just repeating himself, but what he's doing in this emphasis of the point, he that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings, and the word that you hear is not mine, is, you know, guys, you have to be able to respond to what I lay down for you. And if you're not, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. But if you do, my Father and I and the Spirit will dwell with you, and by your actions, people will know that you love me and the world. By the way in which the uncreated light of the Holy Spirit surrounds you, people will know who you are and who you represent. And that's not as crazy as it sounds. You know, there are, there are many reports of monastic saints, not hyper, super spiritual uh, guys that make icons of, but just, you know, ordinary monastics who took their vows seriously and said their prayers and what have you, who could be seen walking around at night with kind of a purple light all around them. Much as probably shown from Jesus on Mount Tabor at the Transfiguration. You know, dazzling white. 
but in their case, it's more of a purple, and that's the uncreated light that they carry with them all the time. It's within us because God is within us. But when we don't keep the commandments, when we consistently sin and do not repent for sin, it's hard to see. It gets darkened in there, it gets blocked out, and people looking at us wouldn't know who we represented if they tried. This is the importance of the Feast of Pentecost. Each and every one of us at our baptism and or chrismation, depending upon how you came into the church, has been given the gift of the third person of the Holy Trinity, the, the Holy Spirit. Nothing is held back. Jesus says, everything the Father gives me, I give you. Everything. It's in Rome. I, I, Jesus didn't say that. Paul says it's Romans. That means, therefore, the same light that shone through Christ at the transfiguration on Mount Tabor is in you. It's just a question of clearing away the darkness. And one of the ways in which you clear away the darkness, in addition to fasting and repentance and all of that, is by being obedient to God in the first place and not winding up in a situation in which the darkness begins to overcome the light. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, God is one. Talks at Advent. Homilies and Reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia.